evening, good afternoon, and good morning, guys, gals, and non-binary pals, wherever you are, and whenever in time you've chosen to tune in, thank you for listening. This is Owning Shakespeare. This is the show that takes a deep dive into a single Shakespeare speech to uncover the creative opportunities embedded in the text and translate these into a unique performance with an incredible Shakespearean actor. I'm your host, the actor, writer, director, Rob Miles, and my guest for today's show is the inimitable, the hilarious, the dare I say it, venerable, Austin Titchener. Austin is an actor, director, academic, the co-artistic director of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, the creator and host of the Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, one of, if not the longest running Shakespeare podcasts on the internet, and a writer for the Folger Shakespeare Library. He is the co-author of a host of abridged Shakespeare resources, which are all entertaining and illuminating, including Reduced Shakespeare, The Complete Guide for the Attention Impaired, Abridged, and the illustrated book Pop-Up Shakespeare, which I have on my shelf. Austin has acted off-Broadway, on London's West End, at Lincoln Centre, the Kennedy Centre, and on PBS with the complete works of William Shakespeare abridged, together with the LA Philharmonic, Chicago's Looking Glass Theatre, and in venues around the world. His TV credits include recurring roles on Alias, 24, The Practice, and Ally McBeal, and various guys in ties on The West Wing, Gilmore Girls, ER, and even The X-Files. Austin, a warm welcome to Text Detectives. Thank you for joining wow. us. Wow, wow. Could I just, I'm just going to play that on a loop whenever I feel down. I'm sorry you couldn't get a venerable Shakespeare actor this week, but I'm happy to step in for you. <laughs> I took a risk and I'm certain sure it's going to pay off. Now, as our listeners know, or they're about to find out, this show is all about passion, enthusiasm, and curiosity, both for and about the text, which is why we ask our guests to select the speech that will be the focus of their episode. So, Austin, what speech have you chosen today and why? I have chosen um, King Henry IV's speech from uh, Act 3, Scene 2 of uh, Henry IV, Part 1, where he dresses down his son, um, Hal, uh, for not living up to his potential and his greatness. What I love about the speech is that it's just one of my favorite scenes because it's so declared, it's so direct. I love it when characters actually talk to each other. Um, but also, when I was... When I was a younger person many years ago, um, I, I, I thought I was going to be a professional actor full time, full stop, nothing else. Uh, and then I uh, thankfully I realized that that's no way to try to make a living in the theater doing any one thing. Um, but I, I did Hal's monologue in this scene where he finally, after this dressing down, he finally says, do not think that of me. I will prove myself to be your son. I, that monologue got me into, um, graduate acting programs uh, and, uh, and so much that I was so excited and I thought wait a second maybe I could be a real actor and then I realized but I but I really want to direct too <laughs> so I ended up getting my MFA in directing from Boston University and not going to NYU's uh, Tisch School of the Arts um, so that revealed something to about myself to me uh, but I thought okay it's 30 years on now I now I can do the other side of this scene to badly paraphrase Darth Vader, the apprentice has become the master. That's Indeed. How exciting. Uh, a meaty piece of text for us to dive into. So to begin with, just to introduce our audience to this who may not be familiar, would you be willing to give us a cold read of the text? No intention, just so we've heard the words that we're going to be exploring today before we dive in in earnest. <clears throat> all right. For all the world, as thou art to this hour, was Richard then, when I from France set foot at Ravensbrough, and even as I was then is Percy now. 
Now by my scepter and my soul to boot, he hath more worthy interest to the state than thou, the shadow of our succession. For of no right nor color like to right, he doth fill fields with harness in the realm, turns heads against the lion's armed jaws, and being no more in debt to years than thou, leads ancient lords and reverend bishops on to bloody battles and to bruising arms. What never dying honor hath he got against renowned Douglas, whose high deeds, whose hot incursions and great name in arms, holds from all soldiers, chief majority, and military title capital through all the kingdoms that acknowledge Christ. Thrice hath this Hotspur, Mars in swaddling clothes, this infant warrior in his enterprises discomfited great Douglas, tain him once, enlarged him and made a friend of him to fill the mouth of deep defiance up and shake the peace and safety of our throne. And what say you to this? Percy, Northumberland, the Archbishop's Grace of York, Douglas, Mortimer, capitulate against us and are up. But wherefore do I tell these news to thee? Why, Harry, do I tell thee of my foes, which art my nearest and dearest enemy? Thou that art like enough through vassal fear, base inclination, and the start of spleen to fight against me under Percy's pay, to dog his heels and curtsy at his frowns, to show how much thou art degenerate. Thank you so much for that, Austin. Sounds rich with potential opportunities. Without further ado, let's dive in. So, detectives, there will be a link to an annotated Google Doc provided in the description of the podcast if you would like to see the work done in today's episode on the page. But now we've heard the speech, it would be wonderful if you could just put it in context for us. So, who is it that's speaking? Who are they speaking to? What's happened to them so far? And what are they wrestling with right now? This is Act 3, Scene 2. It's almost the middle of the play, the exact middle of the play, which always which always tells me that this is a really important scene. Um, uh, it's, it, it's Hal has spent the first two acts in a scene um, just being a wastrel, a rogue, a gadabout with his friends um, in Eastcheap, Falstaff, um, Poins, et cetera, and all those guys. And, and King Henry in the very first speech of the play has talked about how he wishes, he wishes um, Hal and the rebel uh, Hotspur Henry, Harry Percy had been switched in swaddling clothes and that Harry Hotspur, uh, Hotspur was actually Henry's son and not Hal. He, he really is disappointed in his son. And in this scene, he is finally telling him that to, to Hal directly. So you said that um, one of the first clues that you've kind of detected, to use our uh, active verb here, uh, is that it's in the middle of the play, so it must be important. What leads you to think that? I don't know where I first discovered this idea. It was probably working on um, Hamlet in grad school. I played Claudius in a production of Hamlet. And um, just the fact that the closet scene in Hamlet simil is similarly situated, um, uh, you know, clearly indicating, and, and I don't know where I picked up this idea, but but there's there are three act structures. There are five act structures. There's also just the pyramid structure where the play starts here low and builds to this climax right in the middle. And then everything else uh, denues, if that's a verb, I'm thinking it isn't, <laughs> uh, denues from that. You know, everything leads to this and everything follows from this. Absolutely right. So it's kind of the fulcrum on which the play is turning in a sense. Yes, even, even better way to say it. Thank you. <laughs> 
not at all. I couldn't have got there without you, my friend. So uh, now that we're going to start digging into the speech in earnest, trying to make some creative discoveries about what dramatic potential there is in the words beyond, I suppose, just the sense itself, how do you like to start? Do you go line by line? Do you go thought by thought or something else? I like to figure out the, 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 the entirety of it, <laughs> the entirety of the speech, so I understand what the whole speech is doing. Um, and then I like to read the speech over several times to go to under to understand what's actually happening on a sort of a sentence by sentence or thought by thought basis. Um, and, and then and then I start breaking it down further. But but I start looking at each word and each line and and the stresses, the five stresses in each line. Mm. Um but so the, 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 the so in, in looking at over on a whole, there is a section in the middle of it that feels unnecessary in terms of the point. It feels rhetorical in a way that drives me absolutely batty about Shakespeare. Is how dare he? <laughs> how dare he go into these flights of rhetoric that are not um, active and urgent and are beside the point utterly. I love this. I love this. So obviously you are Austin Titcher of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. So it would behoove us to reduce the material uh, accordingly. So what, what exactly is it that you would like to snip out from this piece of text? It's, it's an easy, uh, uh, thankfully, it's an easy chunk. Uh, it's the, um, uh, the section that begins, what never dying honor hath he got against renowned Douglas, whose high deeds, whose hot incursions, blah, blah, blah. This is all about Douglas. I don't care about Douglas. So I would cut what never dying honor hath he got down through through all the kingdoms that acknowledge Christ. Right. So we're lucky in a sense in that uh, the, the point ends on the end of a line. So we can kind of get rid of it and not interrupt the verse uh, yeah. in any significant way, which is nice. Um, when it comes to cuts that might end in the midline, how precious are you about that? Well, as you might suspect, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in fact, uh, in fact, I've added a word because um, I because I got this from the I believe I got this from the Folger digital texts, um, and so the, I forget why the one two three four five six seven the seventh line, then thou the shadow of succession is the line as it's printed, um, indicating that succession is supposed to be pronounced succession, which I'm never in a million goddamn years going to do. Right, right. So could you just explain to me what the internal debate is about that and why you've arrived at this conclusion? Well, there isn't much debate. It, it's just <laughs> I've decided uh, just uh, emphatically not to do it. The, there, is, there is the... There is the school of thought, and honestly, I'm not sure if I even buy it, that to, that to complete the full 10 syllables of an iambic pentameter line, you need to pronounce some words um, uh, archaically. Mm. Uh, and, and you get it with a word like enlarged, for instance, where you, em, you throw emphasis on uh, the, the last syllable, uh, armed enlarged. Um, but then, but then, in a word like in a nine-syllable line, then that like then thou the shadow of succession, it implies that succession should be pronounced succession. So, given four what success, yeah, four syllables instead of five, and I'm just that you know Shakespeare's hard enough for an audience, and I'm and I'm always thinking about the audience because I'm a director as well. I'm a well and a writer. You know, I'm you know clarity be. 
clarity begins at home, right? So, <laughs> so uh, you know, and, and our, an archaic word that makes an audience member just stumble uh, sonically to go, wait, what, what did he say? Successian? Now he's thinking about Successian. Come on. It's not, <laughs> let, don't let's be precious about this stuff. This is exactly the kind of material that we're trying to unleash the Pandora's box of passionate opinion about these Shakespearean kind of tropes that we find ourselves fight, find, fighting about and debating about. So what is the additional word that we're putting in there? Just adding the word our. So it reads, then thou the shadow of our succession. Beautiful. And, and it could be, and it, yeah, it does. Our is the right word, I think. I mean, it could be your succession, I suppose, but we're to... The point of the of the line is that you are a you're a shadow of me, you're a pale imitation of the king you are supposed to uh, follow, and 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 that Harry Percy is a greater, a worthier successor to the throne as he's proving in battle on the field, and Hal needs to step it up. So that Absolutely. seems to that makes sense to me. I, th I think you've done a wonderful. Uh job there as well using the royal we the royal plural um which obviously includes both himself and god uh, as opposed to my succession our succession um because that is actually a hot button issue and, and a point of contention for henry the fourth himself because he usurped the throne from richard the second uh and so he's got a vested interest in proving that he's supposed to be here <laughs> well and there's another part of this scene in a speech either before this or after it where where henry talks about everything he had to do to woo the public to his side and Hal is squandering this he's squandering all this goodwill that he fought so and not actually I mean I think this is fascinating too about Henry IV it's not just about battle it's also about being a politician it's also about turning on the charm and turning the the populace to your side um so it, it's not just a uh, he, Henry just doesn't want Hal to go out there and be a bold and bloody warrior and just kill people to believe make them follow you. You actually have to turn on the charm and get them on your side so they want to follow you. I love it. I love it. So, um, where do you think we are in your process so far? Because I have to compliment you on what felt like a very assured read, and I got a good grasp of the sense of everything that you were saying pretty much first time. So, it feels like we're not coming into this blind. Where on the general to forensic scale do we feel we are right now, and where would you like to go next? I definitely understand the point of the scene, the point of the speech. Right. I understand where I'm going. You know, if I'm thinking of working this up as a um, as an audition piece, then I want to show range, right? Um, I want it to start in one place and end in another. And I haven't figured out what that emotional journey is. I know moment to moment, the frustration uh, uh, he has with Hal, but I haven't done that kind of work. I haven't found my five stresses for every line. Um, I haven't done any of that. So I can, I can make it sound clear but I, 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 I haven't invested it with all the emotional stuff yet. I think there's something that you said there that would be useful for our audience to know, which is that you said that you understand what the frustration is with how um, kind of thought by thought or moment by moment. Do you want to just walk us through a kind of guided tour of <laughs> what those might be uh, for each of these kind of chunks? Sure. Um, uh, uh, well, I mean, the opening, the opening sentence is, I mean, this is this is a thing that you have talked about, I know, um, but it's also a thing I believe that, you know, Shakespeare is about discovery and contrast. 
and and the and 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 contrast in every way, not just rhetorical antithesis, but you know, comedy to tragedy, you know, um, ideas, clarity. I'm talking about me to you, uh, or him versus him versus you, or. And this is another. This is your, another point where you're going to get me passionate about something that I think a lot of people are going to disagree with, which is pronouns. Um, Throw it in there. <laughs> well, there's, well. There, so, so in this first chunk, it's for all, for all the world as thou art to this hour was Richard then when I from France set foot at Ravensborough, and even as I was then is Percy now. So I emphasize a lot of pronouns there, and there is a canard that a belief that one must never emphasize pronouns in the, you know, when in doubt, never emphasize a pronoun. And I think that's, what's the word? Bollocks. Um, because <laughs> it's, it's, there are so many times where the clarity of the sentence, the clarity of the thought requires you to, to stress the fact that I'm talking about this person versus that person. And I think, and I and 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 also Shakespeare puts the the traditional ba da ba da ba da ba da iambic stress onto a pronoun. So there are so many exceptions to the rule of never emphasize pronouns that it's not worth making it a rule. The proof was in the pudding there when you read it out loud. It helps us to see it diagrammed out almost like uh, an American football um, coach might kind of strategize by drawing on a blackboard, right? The, the way that you're using the voice there is helping us to see these figures almost like chess pieces on opposite sides of the board against each other. I think it's, I think it's a wonderful tool. It also emphasizes the poetry in a way that, that makes it sound poetic without sounding po like poetry, if that makes yeah, sense. Without recitation, you know? Yeah, without recitation, yeah. Without recitation, right. It sounds like thought mm. instead of memorization all right cool so we're, we're we're three and a half lines in <laughs> yes so from now by my scepter then what do we feel is going on in this one um uh now he's talking about uh uh, uh how how much worthier um the the rival hotspur the rival rebel hotspur harry percy is than hal now by my scepter and my soul to boot he hath he again another pronoun which i'm not sure about that emphasizing that one but he hath more worthy interest to the state than thou the shadow of our succession the, and the shadow of i mean that seems like such a you waste of space i mean it seems it seems like a horrible thing to say to your your son the prince of wales <laughs> <laughs> right? right. Um, I think shadow, thinking about Macbeth, uh, life's been a walking shadow, a poor player, uh, and the idea that yeah. shadow is, is a kind of false um, uh, kind of interpreter, really. Uh, you know, an actor is, is a liar, ultimately. Uh, so oh, there, there might be oh. something like a, the pretender to our succession might be a, an infection that we could speak out of it, maybe. No, that's great. That's that's great. That's great. I hadn't thought of that. I mean, because it, it, you know, I, I I think of shadow as a Xerox of a Xerox of a Xerox, which even even that is an archaic expression. Oh, but that's also you know? beautiful, though. The Andy Warhol, the idea that he's kind of degraded with yeah. the uh, with the generation. I mean, what's interesting about the next set of lines mm. is that he's talking he's talking about um, Hotspur, but you don't know that. <laughs> you, it, it's it, it's it's. He uses the he uses he, and that's the, all the clue you get mm. that he's talking about Hotspur, not himself, not Hal. You know, he doth he doth fill fields with hardness in the realm, turns head against the lion's armored jaws, and being no more in debt to years than thou, meaning he's not any older than you, 
right? He's got no more experience than you. He leads ancient lords and reverend bishops onto bloody battles into bruising arms. Um, and that, and then, and then we get to the cut bit, and then he talks more about thrice at this hospital, three times. This this Mars in swaddling clothes. This god Mars is the god of war. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. But he, but he, but he still wears his nappy. Um, <laughs> this infant warrior in his enterprises, discomfited great Douglas, taking him once. That always bugs me. Taking, just say taken, but that's all right. I'm, I'm happy to, I'm happy to just go with it. Um, Tain him once, enlarged him and made a friend of him to fill the mouth of deep defiance up and shake the peace and safety of our throne. He'll, he's all, he's just a baby. And yet he's got all these people backing him and making, threatening to take away the throne from not only me, but you, Hal. Mm, interesting. So we've got, and shake the peace and safety of our throne, I think we were up to. Um, yeah, so we've got what say you to this? What do we think is going on? Yeah, here? I mean, this is another this is another section that I could e easily cut. Sure. Um, because because it feels like he's about to say the same thing twice. Um, and shake the safe and and, and uh, peace and safety of earth. And what say you to this? And what say you to this? Ah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the verb. Oh, maybe hitting a verb is a good idea every now and right? then, right? And what's and what say you, and what, but I also think, why am I telling you? And what say you to this? Percy, Northumberland, the Archbishop's Grace of York, Douglas, Mortimer, capitulate against us and are up. Beautiful. You know, so it's like, why am I telling you? I, the reason I'm telling you is, or no, what, it's not what I'm telling you. The next line is about why am I telling you? This is about, and what, what, what do you have to say for all this? What are you going to do about it? We have all of these people, all of these nobles lined up against us. Yeah. We are in trouble, mate. Yeah. You know, I mean, it feels to me, so, obviously, it spent a lot of time on Percy, right? Up to this point. Uh, Percy Hotspur has dominated a lot of the text. And then we very closely soon after get a list of names that we assume, yeah. even with the cut, even with even without talking about um uh, Douglas, uh we yeah. assume that each of these you could talk, you could give their CV as well, right? So we've heard one, and then there's all these, and so it right. it feels to me. Um, I'd be interested to get your thought on this. And what say you to this? That this is in a conventional strong stress position, and we've got that midline mm -hmm. punctuation. Do you feel that that this is pointing backwards to everything that is already said? And what say you to all this that I've, you know, if, if we were to add words in, um, or is it, and what say you to this as well? <laughs> is it, is it, is it uh, that's, pointing forwards? That's a great notion. And I think you are correct, sir, that, that, that it's, if you use the stresses again, using the five stresses and putting the emphasis on this, that points us forward and that's that's also just more active and better. <laughs> you know, we're looking forward. We're, there's a forward motion, right? right. Uh, so if we were to paraphrase that, we'd go with and another thing or something of that name. Right, and another thing. Yeah. Oh, and by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm not done. I am not finished, Hal. Um, no, I think that's great. I, I mean, even before you said that, I had talked myself into the value of these four lines, these three lines. Right. Um, but yes, I think that's even that's even stronger. And what say you to this? Percy, Northumberland, the Archbishop's Grace of York, Douglas, Mortimer, capitulate against us and are up. But, and this we get, now we get, but why am I wasting my breath? But wherefore do I tell these news to thee? 
Why, Harry, do I tell thee of my foes, which art my nearest and dearest enemy? Now, this is complicated because he's not saying my foes are my nearest and dearest enemy. He's saying, Harry, you, my son, is my nearest and dearest enemy. And I think is what's yeah, going no, on. Yeah, no, I would there. agree, yeah. And, and, and which, which confuses me as to why it's which art my nearest and why it's not who, who, are, who is my, who is my nearest and dearest. Yeah. But, but maybe that's a formal king thing. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I'm inclined to agree with your first instinct of, of, of him saying, you are my nearest and dearest enemy. But in order to say that, it feels like we've got to hit the personal pronoun of the. And it's not I, yes. in a conventional strong stress position, I don't think, in the rhythm. Why yeah. Harry, Why I Harry... tell thee of my foes. So it, so it is in a, what John Barton would call a contrapuntal position or off, off beat, right? Why, Harry, do I tell thee of my foes, which art my nearest and dearest enemy? But even as I said that, stressing foes... <laughs> confuses the next line right do i tell thee of my foes which aren't my nearest and dearest enemy yeah interesting so mm. I, i'm here i'm hearing it i'm hearing it like i can i can start to get the relationship there i'm wondering can we try one where we lift enemy up like like with and really ask the question right yes a another great note always ask if there's a question mark always ask the question like you want an answer yeah um why, Harry, do I tell thee of my foes, which art my nearest and dearest enemy? I mean, that's that's sounding good to me. How does that feel? It feels good. It feels, uh, yeah, it feels emphatic and uh, and strong and active, mm. which is what it wants to be. Because thou, uh, because thou, because then next we're about to go on, which art my nearest and dearest enemy? Thou that art like enough through vassal fear, base inclination and the start of spleen to fight against me under Percy's pay to dog his heels and curtsy in his frowns to show how thou uh, to show how much thou art degenerate well and again it's as you said about the earlier line which aren't my nearest and dearest enemy <laughs> to make that a question that points us forward to the next bit because it's it's not it's not he's saying it's not, it's not he's describing what Hal has been like. He's describing what Hal seems like or seems like he's going to be like. Mm. Because if you don't check yourself, Hal, it's, it, it's as if you are fighting under Harry's, Percy's banner. Mm. Mm. So we've got thou that art like enough. Is that, is that like what I would call a false friend? Is that, does, is that, is he making a simile? Is he saying you are like this thing? Or is he saying likely enough? Like it is as likely that you would do this as otherwise. That's exactly what you just said. It's that. It is because it's, you know what, you know what's going to happen, Harry? It's likely that you, because you're a coward, because you have a base inclinations and the start and you're rebelling against your father or whatever, you're going to fight with the rebel and 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 just, just to prove to prove my own thoughts and my own feelings about you. You are going to actually prove it by giving Hotspur the throne. 
there's something in this. I think for me, what what jumped out when you read it was Percy's pay and those kind of plosive peas, um, and yeah. that pay in the in the strong stress position at the end, the the subservience that that is suggesting. Right. Right. That actually you're going to be someone's employee. <laughs> Rather like if we're talking about contrast, you're, you know, at the start we're talking succession, you're supposed to be king. And now we're right down here as an employee of some northern bastard. The grand word for that would be mercenary, but employee is so much more reductive, <laughs> you know. Dim yeah, diminishing. Yeah, I love that. Well, and again, it's to fight against me and to fight against, well, you could do it either way, to fight against me under Percy's pay to dog his heels and curtsy at his frowns. And again, many people would go, God, you're saying that wrong. But that seems to be the point. Yeah, I mean, I wonder, can we have it both ways? Because I think the dog and the curtsy have a lot of power, right? Those are... Yeah, to dog his heels and curtsy at his frowns to show how much thou art to degenerate. Yeah. yeah, verbs are good too. I mean, but I wonder whether I, we I, can I, have it both ways because you've got the... Uh, I think it's the Sponday, is it, where you've got two strong stresses next to each other? Okay. I mean, well... <laughs> <laughs> I trust you. Right, why not? Why not? Um, but to dog his, curtsy... Cur his friends. To dog yeah. his... Yeah. Because, yeah. because I yeah. guess what you do get then, because what I liked about that when you said it, was that you want him to dog your heels and curtsy at your friends. <laughs> but he's not. And so by giving us that, we understand, I guess, there's a flavour of disobedience that if we don't go there, we lose, I suppose. And maybe it's dog his, to dog his heels and, I mean, you could put the fifth stress on and, which would be weird, but you could do it, to dog his heels and curtsy and curtsy at his frowns to show how, uh, verb, to show how much thou art degenerate. I love that you interrupted yourself to go verb. <laughs> I do that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true. But we've got to fight, to dog, to show. We've got three like verbs in that conventional yeah. strong stress position at the end of those last three lines, which feels right. deliberate. <laughs> Lack of that word. Yes. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. To be or to be or not to fight, to dog, to show. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. All right, wonderful. Well, we've we've taken a, a long and rambling journey through all of these thoughts, but I think we've now got a really good sense of what it is that you, the frustration is, as you said, for the character in each one. So what, what do you think, in warming this up for performance and thinking about, as you said, contrast, that kind of watchword, how do you set about differentiating then, I guess, is the question, each of these? Reductively, start quiet and get bigger and louder. But I think that's, but I think that's actually true. I mean, he's got to have some place to go. Um, um, I also love the notion um, that every Shakespeare play should be set in a modern high school <laughs> because the, the feelings, the hormonal passion where everything matters when you're a teenager is exactly how most Shakespeare characters, even the kings, behave. And you've got, if you're not, I think not only does the text allow it, I think the text requires it, you know? Uh, no, so I, it yeah, I, I heartily agree. I think, I think everything is important. Like if you're gonna open your mouth and you're gonna say something about it, then it must matter to you enough to do so, right? And, and it feels with something like this, the longer you talk, the more it must matter as well, right? Like, right. 
Right, it, it doesn't feel like he introduces any new points or ideas. This is one notion explored expansively, right? So that notion must have a lot of energy to, to pull all of this out of him. Right. Well, and also he starts, um, uh, I, I mean, as you pointed out, the, the three or four big verbs there at the end, you know, the beginning starts sort of rhetorically, historically. Mm. Let me sit down, son. Let me tell you what it was like. And I, 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 think, I think Henry is really struggling in this scene how to get through to his son. Mm. And he, he was, in the scene, he uses a bunch of different um, uh, attempts and strategies, tactics. Um, but in this speech, um, he's, there's, there's fewer opportunities for that. Uh, so I'm, I'm just looking through this and I, there was something that you said then that just triggered a notion, which was that he's trying different ways to get through to his son. And you said, at first, it's the historical angle. Let him, in Yorkshire, we'd say, in my day, <laughs> uh, you've maybe seen a full Yorkshireman sketch with, uh, uh, with the Monty Python. Uh, it's that kind of luxury. Exactly. I used to work 29 hours a day for two months a month, uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, so we've got a bit of in my day at the start. Uh, and I, th I don't know, that just kind of, did, did it throw something on the now? Because obviously, we, you know, we're talking about then. Uh, I was then is Percy now, now by my scepter. Yeah. The, there's this repetition of now right on right on the end of it there. And I think it's Ian McKellen in his latest special, which I think you can watch on Amazon Prime for free. Um, he talks Ooh. about now is theatre because it's the instantaneous moment and the simultaneousness of the performance and the experience of it by the audience and, and the, the kind of power of that word, uh, which just kind of... I, I, I totally agree. Now feels always like... Um... A, a, a point of emphasis, you know, this is happening. This is happening right now. I am feeling differently now than I was then, you know, you have changed my mind. And now, I, I mean, there's, so the, even as I was then is Percy now illustrates one point now by my scepter, I am pissed off. Now we've reached a point where you are enacting the inappropriate role yeah. in this. So we were talking about then, and now we're talking about now. Mm. And what, what do you think of the scepter and soul? I mean, beyond the obvious sibilance, <laughs> um, the, the fact that it, it seems like one isn't enough. <laughs> you know, that, that addition yeah, of correct. Is, is it just strikes me as interesting. It, it, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those phrases that, that, I, that I think one can be tempted to just throw away. And I think it's there for a reason and it's, and it can be used. So uh, now I, I think it's the two most important things to him, you know, and now by my, uh, and I don't, I'm, I'm not sure what a contemporary analogy would be, but you know, for the love of God, man, you know, it's, you know, now by my scepter and my soul to boot, he hath more worthy interest to the state than thou, the, shadow of our succession oh. i mean i uh, know i love that because we're, we're using like just then just naturally the the sh of shadow allowed you to kind of find the word mint the word in the moment it feels so spontaneous i guess that, i'm a big fan of minting the word yeah yes. that, that idea of uh, the, the character finding the thought as they're speaking it i think it's, it's just always yeah. exciting to see and to hear that i think um i, I mean i that time i did it a little more 
I don't know, emphatically when I think it wants to, I think it wants to be more dismissive and uh, uh, insulting. Ooh, insulting you know? is interesting. So we've gone from yeah. history lesson to your shit. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Then that he, he hath more worthy interest to the state, meaning to the country, to the throne, to the state than thou the sh shadow. I mean, it could still the sh of shadow still has that sh thou thou shitmonger shadow of our succession. <laughs> yeah, he almost was going to say shithead and then changed his mind. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> I love it. Well, and again, and it leads you to the leads Henry to the next idea: the shadow of our succession for of no right. You know, I, I, um, 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 yeah, that's right. You are the shadow. You are a pale imitation of me because Hotspur has no more years than you and he has no more right to the throne than anybody. But, and yet he does this, you know, he is, he is the bold outline <laughs> of our succession. Just to, just to pull us back to that for of no right. Cause again, we've got that other half line there, nor color like to write. What do we yeah. think that is doing there? Why, why are we going back to that well? For of no right, nor color like to write. He doesn't have any, any hint, any, any, any viable interest in this throne. Yeah. And yet. And yet. And yeah. yet. He's, but, so we, he we kind of, be, we're climbing the diving board to make the jump off bigger for that and yet, right? That's right. You've got to go high to go, got to get up to get down, as they say. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, for of no right, nor color like to write, he to fill fields with heart. He, that's that too strong on fill fields. He to fill fields with harness in the realm, turns head against the lion's armed jaws, and being no more in debt to years than thou, leads ancient lords and reverend bishops onto bloody battles into bruising arms. Oh, so good, isn't it? Phil Fields, but then bloody battles, bruising, bishops. Uh, you know, we've got lots of uh, plosives and, uh, and fricatives there um, that are kind of, I guess, crunchier, maybe is the word. But like, it, it, it lends a different quality, vocal quality, I think, to, to the hearing of it. It's just, there's such a great mouth feel, as we say pretentiously about wine. I love you mouth know? feel, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, uh, being no more. Well, and again, again, the contrast, the rhetorical contrast. And he's he's a he's a child. He is a child, and yet old lords and wizened, respected bishops fight alongside him. So, if if we're just going to focus on like, I guess, the nature of the argument, we've gone history then. Now we've gone now, and now we're going him right. So we've, we've kind of uh, we've changed where the focus is, I suppose. Again. The other thing I like about this cut is that bloody battles and bruising arms move swiftly onto thrice at this hotspur, Mars in swaddling clothes. So it, it, it without that, without those lines of, of rhetoric or examples, I suppose, you know, he gets just right into the meat of it. That three times at this hotspur, this baby, this god, this uh, uh, warrior god in swaddling clothes. This in well, then he says it. This infant warrior, in case you didn't under understand what Mars and swaddling clothes means, this infant warrior in his enterprise, in his enterprise, in his enterprises, discomfited great Douglas, came him once, enlarged him, and made a friend of him. 
to fill the mouth of deep defiance up and shake the peace and safety of our throne. And I raced through that because I was running out of breath. And that's another thing I should probably do is practice my breathing. You kind of, again, interrupted yourself brilliantly to highlight something that I think happens all the time in Shakespeare, but it's easy to miss. Mars in swaddling clothes, the unwashed Elizabethan groundlings go, what? Infant warrior. Oh, cool. Like whenever there's one of these lofty images, so often he will give you the, the dictionary definition of that same image, right? It will, it will try and allow everybody to uh, follow along uh, with, uh, with what it is that he's saying. And I, I just thought you highlighted that really nicely. Um, but then there is this question of where do you breathe? Uh, so Austin, where do you breathe? Um, <laughs> through my mouth and my nose. Um, Thrice, and uh, I, I haven't figured that out yet. But you know, as you as one scores your your monologues, it's really important to pick a put. I, I'll put a big B there, or I'll put two slash lines in my script. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, of course, some people will say only breathe on the end of verse lines. Some people will say always breathe on the end of verse lines. Some people will say you can breathe on midline punctuation, but only if it's a caesura, which a comma wouldn't necessarily count as. And then some people say breathe on the commas like yourself or even just breathe where you want, right? But Shakespeare punctuation is, is nonsense. It's best guess. <laughs> It was set by who knows how many people in the folio. So it's all guesswork. I mean, I think here it's pretty clear and okay. I mean, I do like the punctuation in the folds or digital texts, mm. uh, but I do think breathing at the end of lines is again, there's so many exceptions to why you would want to do that, that it feels like it shouldn't be a rule. Um, this infant warrior in his enterprises discomfited great Douglas is one thought, even though there's, it, it, go, it goes around the corner of the line. Um, Tain him once, enlarged him, and made a friend of him, big breath, to fill the mouth of deep defiance up and shake the peace and safety of our throne. Because you want that, you want that breath after made a friend of him, so you can put the emphasis, really emphasize the danger of what's happening. What made sense to me about the way you did it there was that, um, we're connecting a connected thought if we run it through. So I, I can absolutely see the logic behind that. There's also a, there's also a, a, a line. I mean, I'm a I'm a big fan of not only your work, Rob, but also um, uh, Barry Edelstein's book, Shaking <laughs> Thinking Shakespeare, Sh Shaking Thinkspeare, <laughs> uh, Thinking Shakespeare, where he talks about he talks about you want to you know, keep the energy up to the end of the line, but also bring new, equally strong energy to the beginning of the next line, even if there is no comma uh, between them, even if it's all supposedly one thought. Mm. So that's kind of why I want, want to emphasize and, but also for the argument of it. Mm. He has made a friend of Douglas to fill the mouth of deep defiance up and shake and shake the peace and safety and shake peace safe throne i mean those stresses tell you a lot too. yeah for sure they do I, th I think that this thought feels almost like a repetition of the one before in some ways uh, so if you wanted to do a really aggressive cut you could almost lose this except that we get to this conclusion which is shake the peace and safety of our throne and that if we're looking for contrast i suppose feels like a different tactic again because we've, we've gone then now, him, me. 
So mm. if, if we're looking for ways to kind of think about how he's trying to affect him differently, um, it feels like there's maybe an opportunity for some kind of opening up, I guess, or some kind of like try, trying to relate uh, with him. In some way. Yeah, I think that's a great, great insight there. There, Yeah, that's incredibly helpful. And now we're talking to the most important, talking about the most important thing, me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and and how are you leads us into the next idea how are you going to help me you know and even with the our throne our succession it's not just me it's the royal we yes i'm the king so everything is we but it's also we me you right the continuance of the line me and my son right highlighting that he has something to lose from this situation Yeah. yeah nice right Right. So I went shake, peace, safe, throne and shake, peace, safe, throne. But it might be and shake and fill the mouth of deep defiance up and shake the peace and safety of our throne. So not emphasize and emphasize our. And I'm not sure, you know, and that's one of those things, too. On the night, you could go either way. Yeah. You know, and it's okay. Yeah, but that's what's exciting about it, right? So when you get into this level of um, forensic detail, you're giving yeah. yourself options to be spontaneous <laughs> in a way. Yeah. So then we've got, what say you to this, Percy Northumberland? We've, we've talked about, I guess, the tactic of this already in a sense, haven't we? Because we talked about this idea of the accumulation, if you like, of there are all, it's not just this one guy I've been talking about for ages, there's all these people. Well, I think the tactic is, and now, I, and now I'm putting the onus on you. Right. You know, if it's, if it's, if it's just become, this is about me. I've told you the history. I've told you how worthy Hotspur is. Uh, I've ter- told you about all, um, uh, all the people he's got behind him and he's shaking the peace and safety of our throne, both of our thrones. So, so what say you to this? Percy, Northumberland, all these, all these nobles, they capitulate against us and are up. And up wants this tra- traditional stress because up is, I think, is short for up in arms. Right, yeah. So we've got those implicit yeah. words in there that we can't have because we're conforming to the meter, but we need to get all yeah. the juice of that into that last strong stress. So it's quite, it's a small word, but it's got big implications, I guess. So we want to really confirm right. it. They, right. And what say you to this? Percy Northumberland, da, 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 capitulate against us and are up. Mm. But yeah. wherefore do I tell these news to thee? Yeah, I'm feeling, I'm feeling the stakes. So then, but wherefore do I tell these news to thee? So is this a kind of re-emphasis of, of the, we're laying it at his feet again here? Or is, do we feel like there's a tactic change within that? It definitely feels like a tactics cha- a tactic change here because it's dangerous because you in your you Hal in your disregard for your responsibilities are as 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 dangerous to our throne as Hotspur, mm. you know. So it can't just be thrown away. But and I I also love the emphasis of but. Oh yeah, I like but, big books and I cannot lie. Well said. Well said. Um, but wherefore do I tell these news to thee? Well, and it, yeah, uh, maybe he's again asking the question for real, but answering it himself. But wherefore do I tell these news to thee? Why, Harry, do I tell thee of my foes, which art my nearest and dearest enemy? 
that thou art like enough through vassal fear, base inclination, and the start of spleen to fight against me under Percy's pay, to dog his heels and curtsy at his frowns to show how much thou art degenerate. Nice. <laughs> so we've we've got we've achieved our in, uh, state and aim of starting small and ending big. Uh, we've cer we've certainly got there. What do you think? Just to encapsulate it, to put a button on it. What do you think the tactic is for this last? I think it's five lines. Thou uh, thou that art like enough, etc. I think it's uh, you know you are you are going to demonstrate through your indifference, through your ignorance through your profligacy through your wastefulness uh that thou are thou thou your degeneracy is going to cost us the throne basically you are you um and i don't remember and i don't have the entire text in front of me but is this the place is the answer to degenerate hal's speech that got me into grad school. <laughs> oh, do not think that. I would not have you think of that of me or whatever. Yeah. Yes, it absolutely right. is. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, great. That's great. Yeah, so we're, we're right back. I have, I have literally come full circle now as an actor. <laughs> <laughs> you're picked up where you left off or you're leaving off where I you have picked up. Well, and, 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 uh, and I changed my own mind just in the doing of it there, you know. But wherefore do I tell these news to thee is not a giveaway, is not a, is not a throwaway. It's not, why am I wasting my breath? He's going back to your note. He's really asking the question. And that's the thing I, I tell my students also, which is to always ask the question. If it's a question, always ask it, you know, and want and want an answer. And maybe the answer doesn't come from the, the other character in the scene. Maybe the answer is supposed to come from the audience. You know, I, this, is not, this is not a speech where he's talking to the audience, he's talking to Hal. Um, yeah, but then there's that but, question um, that I find an interesting one to just kind of add into the mix, which is who am I talking to and who am I talking for? Proximo in Gladiator says, win the crowd, right? It's like the, the court of public opinion ultimately is going to decide where the sympathies lie in the scene. And it feels like through, you know, the fact that he talks about the peace and safety of our throne, the fact that he feels like his own son is his nearest and dearest enemy. That has to be a deep cut, right? There's got to be some emotional vulnerability that is informing that. Yeah, absolutely. And nearest and dearest, I mean, the just the rhyme of it um, also emphasizes, again, you could easily throw it away to get to the bigger point that thou art long enough, but it's there for a reason, which you, you are my nearest and dearest enemy. More contrast. More contrast, you yeah. know, More contrast. Um, um, but it's also just rhetorically, it's, it's, this could also be the end of a TED talk. Why have I illustrated these five <laughs> points? Because I will tell you, you know. In conclusion, yeah, right. In conclusion. Yeah. He's uh, explained, um, uh, even as I was then is Percy now, you're like Richard. And, and Richard was my enemy. So, so if you, in case you didn't understand yeah. it the first time, I'm saying you're my enemy. Right, right. That's great. I, I, I didn't know that. That's a great insight. Yeah, well done. I mean, I, I didn't know it. I'm, like, I'm literally like, we're just we're finding this stuff out as we go. Um, and I'm, I'm always uh, kind of this is my favorite part, really, of of working with Shakespeare is the, is the discovery part, which is why we're doing a podcast about it. But I feel like we might have talked enough about it. 
and I feel like it might be time to get to the fireworks factory and to go for it, informed by some, if not all, of the discoveries that we've made here, and with an emphasis on the fact that this is just the next read. Um, but we just want to hear what it sounds like now compared to what it sounded like then. For all the world as thou art to this hour was Richard then, when I from France set foot at Ravenspruh, and even as I was then is Percy now. Now, by my scepter and my soul to boot, he hath more worthy interest to the state than thou, the shadow of our succession. For of no right, nor color like to right, he doth fill fields with harness in the realm, turns head against the lion's armed jaws, and being no more in debt to years than thou, leads ancient lords and reverend bishops on to bloody battles and to bruising arms. Thrice hath this Hotspur, Mars, in swaddling clothes, this infant warrior in his enterprises, discomfited great Douglas, tan him once, enlarged him, and made a friend of him to fill the mouth of deep defiance up and shake the peace and safety of our throne. And what say you to this? Percy, Northumberland, the Archbishop's Grace of York, Douglas, Mortimer, capitulate against us and are up. But wherefore do I tell these news to thee? Why, Harry, do I tell thee of my foes, which art my nearest and dearest enemy? Thou, that art like enough through vassal fear, base inclination, and the start of spleen, to fight against me under Percy's pay, to dog his heels and curtsy at his frowns, to show how much thou art degenerate. Bosh. <laughs> I, I felt like I, I kind of st I started a little hot, but I like that starting hot and then getting even hotter as opposed to starting quiet. Listen, man, I thought that was fabulous. I really enjoyed listening to that. Is there anything else, um, just to wrap up, as you were going through that, that almost hearing it out loud with the benefit of those things, was there anything else that you would go on to think about uh, for the next round? Um, the, I guess the, the next round that I would go on to think about is just getting it into my bones, into my body and off the page. Um, so, so, so that I can then discover what else there is more to discover. Cause I think this, this dissection has been, um, um, has been incredibly valuable and it's the kind of, it's the fun kind of stuff you never really get to do in rehearsal. Of, of, of a production of this play. I mean, this sort of, uh, uh, excavation. Uh, of what's going on here is fascinating and incredibly helpful. Um, and I only wish we could be doing it in a pub with beers <laughs> in our hands. But, um, but the thing that I noticed about that time is that I was stressing, I was taking, even though I started a little hot, I was taking time with all the with many of the words for all the world as thou art to this hour was richard then which i think is much slower and more drawn out than i did than i did it on that first cold mm. read and i think i did that sort of a lot because again this contrast those short words want 
a sort of emphasis that draws things out and and gives you gives you a, 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 a establishes a pace that you can then quicken and words with, with more polysyllabic words you can blah, 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 get out in sort of the same frame it's like whole notes versus quarter notes versus eighth notes well listen i think we've done a wonderful uh introduction to uh, the process of working on this speech um and i think it's been a delight that we've managed to spend as much time as we have in as much detail as we have on this um i thank you so much for your time today austin um and in respect uh, and reverence of that time is there anything that you would like to uh, explicitly plug before we uh, leave our audience for this episode <laughs> um, <laughs> well, the um, uh, the it looks like finally in January 2022, the Reduce Shakespeare Company will go back on tour. Um, so you can find whether we're coming to a, a, a city or a venue near you at our website, ReducedShakespeare.com. And as we as we record, we're uh, approaching the holidays. But also, depending on when you listen to this, it could be April, Shakespeare's birthday, you know, for instance. Uh, it could be your birthday. It could be an anniversary. You could just have a Shakespeare nerd of any age in your life. And, and for them all, I recommend, for them all, an important word, I recommend um, pop-up Shakespeare uh, that I wrote with my RSC partner, Reed Martin. And it's handsomely, beautifully illustrated by Jenny Mazels. So uh, it's fun and funny and a kind of a great, very good introduction to Shakespeare of, of uh, to people of all ages, but it's also just looks great for which I take no credit. That's all Jenny made. <laughs> well, I can heartily second that recommendation. As I said at the beginning, I have it on my shelf and it is, uh, and I don't say this likely, a work of art. It is, um, and it's, it's wonderful. It's funny, it's moving uh, and it's informative, which is all that you could ask for and more. So certainly do go and find that out there if you're listening now. Uh, if you are still listening now, we thank you so much for your time and we will uh, be back very soon uh, with a new guest, a new speech, and some more detective work. So thank you so much, and we will see you next time.